Hey there, Ed. What do you think of um, what do you think of tinted eyeglasses? Not, the kind not... that the tint intensity changes as one moves from indoor to outdoor. No, those um, those are nerdy, but I think kind of cool. Uh, no, I'm talking about conventional eyeglasses, not intended as sunglasses. You'd wear them indoors, but they have a tint. So now an option at optometrist, you can get a tint of various colors. Not like Doctor Strangelove, sort of no. blackout glasses. <laughs> no, no. Which I have frequently desired because I have a problem with glare. Don't when you mean when you mean blackout glasses, you don't just mean sunglasses. You mean just put discs of of opaque material in front of your eyes. Like yeah, like tortoise shell glasses. If the entire facade of the glass was made of a tortoise's shell, if you were just wearing just a couple delicatest of, of rims, a couple of tortoises over your eyes, is what you mean. Living tortoises, sustainable <laughs> tortoise wear <laughs> glasses. Uh, I think oh, so different colors. I I like color, especially if they're like three D glasses. They're different colors, <laughs> yeah. primary <laughs> colors. <laughs> Um, or the the doctor in Twin Peaks. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whichever doctor that was. I, ha- I currently have four active pairs of eyeglasses, and I just I want another pair. I don't know what is happening to me. Last week you had sort of clear framed glasses. This week is the frame tinted? Does it change as as the, are they mood no. sensitive <laughs> rims? You you have a fixation today on on dynamic. Uh, I like in, processes in, that, 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 that change. You like process eyeglasses. I'm welcoming change today. I'm trying to be more positive, less self-pitying, more open to change. How's that going? Clearly, it's it's been reflected in my, my outward imagination. <laughs> I think we need to come to an Aggressively! Era where, <laughs> where, the, uh, where the pattern of, say, plaid on my Western Pearl Snap shirt subtly shifts. As the day goes on, I was thinking about. I was going to look up on the internet whether there, uh, or or how how rich the variety is in uh, LED carpets. <laughs> this is a thing. It must be, right? <laughs> well, let's find out. Somebody must have put together LED carpets by now. It's 2012. Let's see. Uh, yeah, Philips the the electronics lighting company Philips developing LED embedded carpets to replace public signs. This is an article from uh, December. After developing some innovative ways to add LEDs to its wallpaper and even the backside of televisions. Backside. You don't you don't say a television has a backside one word. Back it's Very Victorian. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Looks like Philips is setting its sights on lighting the floor beneath our feet as well. I'll send you I'll send you this link in the uh, what you call it? There you go. Look, it's a little smiley face there on Skype. I can put an emoticon in. Here's one of uh, someone with um, shaking its head with. Uh, I'll send this to you too. It's got it's got band aids over its mouth. It's the stop talking. Is uh, the one with sunglasses? I don't know. And what it's, kind of sunglasses does the emoticon have? It's got uh, it's got wayfarers. Is there a selection of? No. Just wayfarers. Just wayfarers. Here's a note note for Warby Parker. Invest (laughs) in 
emoticons with the various sunglasses on it. They're trying to sell. I'm I'm a I'm a mine of billion dollar ideas or hundred dollar ideas. Note to Warby Parker. <laughs> Note to carpet companies. Um. Yeah. Uh. Tell me about this. Um. Tell me about this change in your in your outlook, Ed. Oh, uh, it's, it's not serious. I'm just as negative and self-pitying as ever. I promise you. I promise the listener to develop, to deliver my usual doses. But the thing is, I, I'm, con- you know, when I actually think about the content of the things you say from time to time, I, I do realize you are, in fact, kind of negative. But my experience of talking with you, and especially being around you, is that we just, uh, we just joke around and laugh. Uh, nonstop. Yeah, I, I, so, I like to think so. I like I to think, think. I, I joke around and laugh. Like, like my last book, Rough Day, yeah. which I thought was um, when I was just delivering, you know, tidying up the manuscript. Yeah. Actually, looking at it and reading it and realizing that it's a it's a real bummer. You know, to me, it's a hoot. <laughs> the actual product, a real bummer. Yeah, you. It's well. It's you know. I like a. Uh, I like a book that. Um, uh, you're really not sure where it falls on the bummer hoot continuum. <laughs> there is a continuum. Yeah. I. Uh, I don't know. I, I want to be. I want to be. I want to be full of of celebration. Full of what? Praise and celebration. Sounds funny coming out of my mouth. Praise. P R A I. Praise. S S E. I think it's that German double S. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like a it looks like a capital B. It's I can't I the, the problem is I can't hear a word you're saying now because your yeah. internet connection is slow. Or mine. Yeah, you're sort of moving you're moving slowly in yeah. the image. Oh, Skype. Is it pretty? Is it pretty? Is it pretty? Is it? A, if it's not. Yeah, didn't didn't get any of that. <laughs> for the for the for the listener, it is clapping like a like a trained seal right now. You can't hear it. Oh, now I can. No, I could hear I could hear you, but you were all uh, di- you were all digitized and reduced to bits. You were like um, you were like what I imagine happens. To, you know, you you were dematerializing uh, in the audio realm. Like the like the like the Star Trek uh, guys do in the visual realm. That's what happens when you, when you start to speak the truth these days. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> you get deconstructed by an internet. Well, that's too bad. I was trying to say that I I want to be full of praise and celebration. Yeah. And and uh, uh, good ideas and. Uh, I haven't quite figured that out. You could be full of a Memorial Day celebration. <laughs> I today. am. I am. Happy 20, Memorial Day. Twenty. Thank you. Twenty percent off all depressing volumes of poetry. Are you uh, visiting any uh, of the dead today in Memorial? No, I don't know a lot of the dead in Ithaca. Actually, I've been fortunate to have lost few acquaintances. Um, who live here in the in the years that the years that we've been in Ithaca, which is a long time actually, which is uh, seventeen years. So, um, it's a good streak. 
Yeah, it's a really good streak. And you know a lot of older people. Yeah. It's true. Maybe that's why I've been making so many younger friends, just because I, I don't I don't want them to die. <laughs> first. You feel the storm coming. Yeah, I really do. I really do. <laughs> um uh yeah, well one friend of mine had uh is diabetic and had complications arising from that. And there was a moment where um he he ended up having his whole system sort of flushed out with the saline treatment to kind of re- reboot his reboot his immune system or something. There was all these crazy. I'd never heard of this series of problems essentially, and he enlisted the help of some specialist who did this, who did this crazy thing to him. And basically, I had a conversation with him. I was sat on his porch, and he said. Uh, um, I'm going to die and don't get in my way. I'm not going to be resuscitated. I'm not doing any extreme measures. These this this could happen in the next couple of weeks. And he was emaciated. We were just sitting on his porch. Um and it was sobering, you know, and I thought this is, you know, and he's in his 60s, um quite quite young to be this ill, but still um and then he he recovered. Extraordinarily managed to recover. Uh, met a nice woman and, and got married a few weeks ago, and is quite healthy right now. But, um, but that fact that I had this conversation where a friend had to sit me down and say, "When I am allowing myself to die in a few weeks, I want you to be on my team and not, not, you know, try to intervene." And I was like, "Holy shit!" I was not expecting this conversation, but um, I bet I'm going to have more of those, and I'm not looking forward to it. No, those are not good conversations to have. And um, there's some wisdom in them. People feel death reaching out to them. They have have some perspectives that the rest of us don't. Doesn't necessarily doesn't automatically make it wise. No, I would think. Not, not necessarily. Although you know, given given the um, you know, Rian's Rian's mother died recently, as you know, and. Um, she didn't seem to have given much thought to to death at all <laughs> you know that that uh um i think maybe it's a good thing to kind of see it coming and think about how you might want to spend uh your last days and uh what kind of effect you might want your it to have on your family um and uh i think that uh you know i think a lot of us are afraid of of that conversation with the self. All of us? Some internet connection problems, I think, John. Yeah, I think you're right. Should we uh, reboot? We reboot and I'll get some coffee. Okay, that sounds good. Let's do that. You're on Ethernet now. No, but I am uh, inches away from the the router. Okay. <laughs> Perched on the uh, um, uh, in, in in the kitchen, uh, right in front of a big pile of dirty dishes, <laughs> and right above the dishwasher, which we have not run yet, and so it has a that that uh, sort of that rich earthy aroma, a uh, mm. little chemically, uh, because we've already put the detergent in we just haven't run it 
why why haven't you run it why the delay uh, waiting for the morning round of showers to finish ah yes yeah of or course. in fact to begin you know uh this may happen to you in the future but um the problem we have with uh is that people can shower at any moment in my house right and adolescent boys yeah there's no warning they may, they may never shower well, that we have the opposite problem. Toby, he would Toby would shower eight times a day if it if we didn't yell at him. He and he does it at, at random times. And Owen, you never know when Owen's going to wake up. Ten a.m., two p.m. But when he does, he might or might not take a shower. So pretty much whenever I need to take a shower to go to be clean for some professional reason, uh, mm-hmm. there is no hot water. Mm-hmm. It's it's vexing. There's no good solution. Is there still the scent of sulfur as if the devil has recently showered? <laughs> it is, uh, yeah. Comes and goes. Yeah. Um, well, we have a water treatment system, and I, you know, I, I replace the filter routinely. And to us, it's not pr- very prominent, but to a visitor, it's probably unbearable. Um, mm. But without the water treatment system, it's it's horrid. That will never go away. I, unless, I'd like to dig a new well. A deeper well, actually. Our neighbor insists. Very manly. <laughs> well, I'm not personally going to. It sort of excites me to hear you say it. <laughs> really? Uh-huh. Yes. You know, clear brush. I'm going to go clear brush. You're going to dig a well, I'm going to go clear brush. <laughs> that uh, phrase is now permanently associated with George W. Bush. Yeah. Clearing brush. That's me. Clearing brush. Yeah. Yeah. A metaphor for being a fucking terrible president. It's pretty bad. Speaking mm-hmm. of dirty dishes, uh, the thing that I put on the uh, on Facebook and Twitter, I'm asking I'm asking people about uh, the state of their refrigerator. Um, while Rian was away, I became <clears throat> obsessed with uh, tidiness, not clean, not cleanliness, uh, which is not something I'm good at, but order. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I don't, I don't know. I guess as a way of re- replacing right. lo- love in my life. <laughs> You like things to be in their place. I do, I do, and um, at least in my you know domestic environment, if, if not you know m- broadly philosophically, I do not believe in everything being in its place. But in my immediate environment, it's it's necessary. So, <laughs> so I realize that we uh, we I think this happens in a lot of relationships. There's a thing that sort of needs to be done, and because another person exists <laughs> to do, who might do it. Mm-hmm. You know, you you begin to think that they should do it. Or you don't have to do it, and so it just doesn't happen. And it's an unpleasant thing, mm-hmm. and so it just doesn't get done. And you you pretend it's not a problem. Uh, when Reen was away, I I I go to I go to town on the fridge and clean out the fridge. And now that she's back, I'm, I can already feel it. I can already feel me thinking, ah, maybe I don't want to do that. Maybe maybe the other person will do that. But uh. What did you uh, find in your recent uh, excavations? Things I could not identify. Excavations into the Frigidaire. Uh, things bought for... Oh, I could tell I could tell the way you said that, that you wanted me to write that down. <laughs> you can write it down if you want to. Expeditions in... Ex, was that it? I think so. Adventures. Yeah, I think expeditions into the Frigidaire. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm presuming that you have a Frigidaire. I don't know what you have. I don't know what the hell it is. Whirlpool, maybe. Anyway, um, I found what typically gets shoved into the back is stuff yeah. we either buy for a party that doesn't get eaten, 
or that people have brought, usually uh, my parents and grandmother. My, my, my grandmother likes to bring tons and tons and tons of cheese, impure cheeses with flavored nuts and sugary things in them, mm-hmm. and uh, little tubs of, uh, I don't know, pickled things. and They're quite tasty, but there's way more than we could ever possibly eat. And we, I don't want to throw them out because my grandmother gave them to me. Yeah. Um, and so they they go into the forgotten forgotten item zone, and uh, so that was that's what's in there now, actually. And I don't want to go in there. I don't want to don't want to deal with it. Mm-hmm. So you left them alone. I leave them alone. Yeah. Your approach. Their 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 life their life their form of life, and uh, who far be it from me to. You know, deny them their their, yeah. their free will, their their existence. For us, the crisper, which is opaque, yeah, in the, our current refrigerator, um, it is like uh, putting something in there is is just like a ritual sacrifice. I mean, it's waste. <laughs> like if it goes into the crisper, it will not be eaten. Yeah, you know. But yet, it's some sort of ritual. We we put things in there to keep them crisp, I suppose, with or to keep ourselves crisp, <laughs> to keep us all crisp. We put things in the crisper where they, you know, like like other offerings to the gods, they just sort of sit on the 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 temple steps, um, <laughs> you know, and uh, ravens peck at them. <laughs> Eventually, some low functionary. You know, the middle of the night takes them away. Um, so yeah. I'm my own. Well, I'm my I'm my own low level functionary, and uh, uh, periodically I'll I'll take the the jellified celery out and <laughs> deposit it somewhere. No longer crisp. No crisper is, does not keep things crisp indefinitely. It's not the a crisper, permanent state. The crisper doesn't keep anything crisp for any amount of time. I don't understand the the concept. I don't understand what it's the crisper. Yeah, I know, but I'm looking it up. What is it supposed to? Oh, there it is. What does the refrigerator crisper compartment actually do? How do the? This is a question on Stack Exchange. Uh, I personally don't notice much of a difference between storing the vegetables in the crisper compared to the rest of the refrigerator. And uh, here's I, I'm gonna. I'll, I'll paste this into the paste this link into the thing for you. So someone answers the crisper provides a somewhat enclosed environment which prevents moisture from escaping as rapidly. Vegetables keep best at a certain humidity higher than that typically found in the rest of the fridge, but not so high that condensation starts accumulating on them. I think this is bullshit. I think it sounds like bullshit. Some crisper drawers, and I think I our current one may have this, but I've certainly seen it. On, on other fridges. Some crisper drawers have little sliders on them which vary the size of the opening to the rest of the fridge, letting you vary the amount of circulation and therefore the humidity. Crisper. Well, I don't I don't think they work, Ed. But neither does prayer, John, but it, we need <laughs> we need these rituals to keep ourselves from going mad. You know? We know that they don't work or do anything, but they they, they they keep us sane, you know. They suggest they remind us of our connection to the natural world, to the sun and the stars, 
to animals <laughs> to eternity. And that's it's it's fictional, and yet it's absolutely indispensable. A refrigerator without a crisper is unthinkable. <laughs> really you might as well it. jump out a window or slit your throat. <laughs> Essentially, as you just have a refrigerator, there's just an empty box without compartments. <laughs> right. Without it's an undifferentiated space that is cooler <laughs> than the rest of the room. No, you need to have compartments. Those <laughs> compartments need to have purposes. One controls humidity. One controls shame. One controls crispness. One of those boxes is where you go and you die. <laughs> and so forth. And so forth. Yeah, there's something. Uh, there's a dissertation in there somewhere about the about the the cold enclosed space that is the that is the refrigerator. Yeah, <laughs> it's an interior within the interior. It has its own climate. It has its inner. It has an inner life, a rich inner life. Don't get me going on the freezer. I don't have. I don't have as. I don't have as much to say about the freezer. Well, it's smaller and it doesn't have compartments. And I think often doesn't have a light. The way that the the uh, you check this at home. Uh, I think the the refrigerator compartment always has a light in it. Yeah, I think the freezers don't. Is it because it's expensive to find a, a light bulb that will survive the low temperatures of the freezer? That's the most reasonable explanation, but but I think it's deeper than that. We know that it's technically possible to to illuminate a cold space. Yeah. Yeah. But but uh, uh, the, the 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 frigid wastelands will have twenty four hours of sunlight mm -hmm. at the poles and still be chilly. Yeah. And still kill you with their coldness, and yet, yeah, yeah, you can you die into your own shadow up there. But. <laughs> The refrigerator. So you are, tell <laughs> the refrigerator. me about your, your freezer thoughts. I think you've got a. You've the, got a the refrigerator suggests life, right? Life in stasis, but life. Yeah. Reach in there, get get the half uh, cantaloupe, and dig in. Yeah, it's delightful. A watermelon. It's in the refrigerator. Pull it out. Start eating. Spit out the seeds. Sustaining life. It's sustaining life. Yeah. yeah. The refrigerator is is, uh, is 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 dream space. That's that's some place where thoughts go uh, at night. The refrigerator is night. Uh, it All is right. slum. It, the refrigerator is the freezer is numbness. Okay. The free the freezer is like not being. You know, not there, to be in the freezer is almost to to not have ever been. <laughs> it's not just where you keep the popsicles. It's much it's also deeper. Good for popsicles, yeah. <laughs> it's much deeper than that. Good for popsicles. <laughs> um, I just sent you by email, weirdly. Oh, because you don't have the Facebook, so you wouldn't get it. Um, so I believe, perhaps even on the most recent episode, um, uh, or frequently, I, I talk about my f my favorite place to eat in Los Angeles. Yeah, which is Pepe's Galley. Okay, which is in a bowling alley in Mar Vista. 
The Mar Vista Lanes. Okay. On, on Venice and something. Right. Pepe's is it's a nice little corner deli, uh, corner uh, diner. Uh, Pepe, P E P Y. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, runs it. He and his his family. They're always in there. He's delightful, chatty with with the guests. It only has maybe you know fifteen tables. There's a marlin or a swordfish on the wall. Uh, uh, great menu, good stuff. Pepe's Galley. Um, but it, um, it's just been confirmed that Pepe's in the Mar Vista Bowling Alley is being forcefully evicted on June 30th. Oh. Plans are to turn the bowling alley into a supper club with I bowling included. No, I can't. I can't get to the uh, Facebook link, but I but I've got this article in. Uh... L.A. Observed magazine about uh, Pepe's Gallery at Mar Vista Lanes may face eviction. Right. Well, there's a neighborhood movement. Which they're trying to. Uh, it's trying to save very it. popular with uh, motorcycle cops. This article says that's true. Well, I think policemen in general. I don't know if it's specifically chips, but yeah. But uh, there's always a lot of cops in there. Yeah, and often um, me and my friend Cooper, yeah, are in. And I believe that when I tried to make Cooper and our friend Alice be friends, because yeah. she had moved to Los Angeles and he's my Los Angeles friend. Yeah, I think they they met once out of courtesy to me, and they met at at Pepe's Galley. Oh, good, good. But they didn't hit it off. It sounds like. I don't think so. Oh. I mean, uh, they, I don't think they became enemies, but I think. That, <laughs> <laughs> that uh, I, I, if they have if they have communicated since then, I have not heard any reports of it. All right. Which breaks it break break up my heart because <laughs> these are two of my favorite people. Yeah, certainly it's, two of the finest people in Los Angeles. It's 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 vexing when uh, two people you really like don't don't turn out to like each other. Yeah. But here's the note from AMF Mar Vista Lanes. Okay. We are sensitive to the feedback, both positive and negative, that we have received from the community surrounding the renovation of AMF Mar Vista Lanes, which will include the closing of Pepe's Galley. While many have expressed excitement at the introduction of a significantly upgraded family-friendly bowling center, no one has done that. No one has expressed excitement. <laughs> that is bullshit. We have seen some misinformation and confusion in the press and social media about the new facility. And below is a letter to help spell out the facts. AMF Mar Vista Lanes opened in 1960 and has not had a major upgrading since that time. The entire infrastructure is old, dated. It's like me. Old, dated, unreliable, and uneconomic. I can think of no other business that has operated with success after 45, 54 years of basic neglect. The facility does not earn enough to pay a market rent. Mm. The community of Mar Vista and greater Los Angeles deserves a far better experience. And that is why in late June, the property will be closing to begin renovations that will upgrade and modernize the building. The new facility will remain a family-friendly bowling alley, meaning less heroin and prostitution. <laughs> uh, an entertainment center that will nonetheless cater to guests of all ages as well as, raise, as serve a wide range of food and beverage offerings. See this this whole this whole uh, uh, this whole manifesto starts with a starts with a flawed premise, which is that it is possible to improve upon a crypto Mexican pirate themed diner. Yeah, right, it can't be done. It hasn't been done yet. No. 
Um, not going to be done now. It's going to add jobs. Many of these will pay quite well. <laughs> Many, but not all. <laughs> Does it actually say that? Many of these will pay Yeah, quite I well. anticipate somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 to 30 new jobs, which somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 is includes zero. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it includes 50. It's not even a different zip code yeah. from zero. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> uh, many of these will pay quite well. There will not be an outside dining component as currently exists. Rather, who the fuck wrote this? <laughs> Stephen Fry. Rather, in the, in the food service will be brought in house and will <laughs> exist to serve patrons of the bowling center. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, are you gonna are are you gonna go down there and participate in the in the uh, protests? No, no, I'm 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 open to change. I'm sad about it. Yeah. Here's, but like like the song Kung Fu Fighting, like other sad texts, this letter <laughs> has a recitation of the fallen heroes. In recent memory, a large number of bowling centers in Greater LA have closed, including, and here's the litany, the Cenotaph, Reseda Bowl. Granada Bowl, Victory Lanes, Encino Bowl, Valley Center slash West Valley Bowl, Northridge Lanes, Rocky Mountain Bel Air, Marlindo, Verdugo Hills Bowl, Grand Center Lanes, Sherman Squire Lanes, Burbank Bowl, Van Nuys Bowl, Bowlerland, Sunland Bowl, Panorama Bowl, and AMF Midtown Lanes. Uh, that is that's the most moving Memorial Day reading of the dead I've I've ever heard. Marlindo. Yeah. Uh, when um, when I lived in Wisconsin, there's a little town not far from Madison called Mount Horeb. Two great things about Mount Horeb. One was I don't know if this one is still true. There was an Italian restaurant. I've forgotten the name of it, um, but it had it was it was a it was run by an angry married couple and their like 12 year old son was waiting tables and they were both, they would berate him while you were dining there. But they had, um, pronto pizza. That's what it was called. They had amazing Italian food in the middle of nowhere in Wisconsin. Absolutely great. And also Mount Horeb is home to the, um, mustard museum. Mm. Uh, but my friends and I, they didn't have a bowling alley. And we fantasized about opening a bowling alley called Horror Bowl. Horror Bowl, very nice. Thank very you. Horrib. Horrib. Horrib Bowl. Would you like to know some of the things on Pepe's menu? I, I would love to know that. The breakfast menu is pretty standard. Uh, things come with home fries, buttered white toast, and jelly. Um... Most of the basics, but you also can get the Polish or Portuguese sausage and eggs. Yeah. Portuguese sausage. Portuguese. That's the Hawaiian pronunciation. Um, you can get eggs ranchero, eggs benedict, eggs mondaire. Uh, but then you get uh, peaches are a dollar extra. Uh, then there's Pepe's Spanish Madness is a category. <laughs> what does it mean? Also, one of the things I like about Pepe's is if you take out the uh, the apostrophe, it's Peeps, like yeah, the diarist. Like, yeah, yeah, like the diarist. Mm. 
And I think I, I think that Samuel Pepys, were he placed in Los Angeles, would find his way to to uh, Pepe's. There's no question First, about it. First, out of confusion. It. First, he would come out of out of hopefulness and confusion and, and alarm. Maybe somebody could help him get back to his own time. And and then he'd he'd stay for the chilaquiles, or the machaca and eggs, or the Portuguese picado and eggs, which are very nice. I love that the website here. I'll I'll link to it in the notes. Um, their website, the the homepage is just slathered with these uh, extremely busy, terrible flash photography of mm-hmm. the place that makes it look like a dump. And uh, <laughs> there's a great um, photo of the, I assume the proprietor here behind the cash register with a little um, Santa Claus doll offering a thumbs up. Yeah, yeah. In front of peppy. it. Yeah. Yeah. No pipe or cigar smoke. No. The sign. No. There's a picture of a meal here that just looks like a, a an undifferentiated mass of organic matter. I don't know what that's supposed to even look like. <laughs> that could be some of Pepe's Spanish madness. <laughs> you know what? That's it. That's Spanish yeah. madness right there. Yeah. yeah. Spanish <laughs> madness. Spanish castle madness. Uh, um, yeah. One of the nice things about the menu is is there is a column that says, feel like something different. If we have the ingredients, we can make it special for you because Pepe's is here to please. And remember, this is the same font, sort of continued text. And remember, the consumption of undercooked ground beef or eggs may cause illness. (laughs) (laughs) Why bring that up? (laughs) (laughs) They're obligated to bring it up. Oh, by by the way. Yeah. Andrew, but it's it's in it's in sort of Don Don Draper nineteen sixties advertising language. And remember. <laughs> Ooh, don't forget, don't stop thinking of undercooked beef. <laughs> because here the customer is king. If you want a dish not on the menu, ask for it. If we have the ingredients, this is on the, the third page of the menu. Reiterating this, we can make anything, but it intensifies it. If we have the ingredients, you get what you desire. Double underline exclamation point. Wow. It's if we re- have the ingredients, you get what you desire. That's so good. Your desires will be left unfilled, unfulfilled, if we don't have the ingredients. But this this menu is like a um it's like the syllabus of a theory class here. Mm-hmm. There seems where it says you get what you desire, there's it almost looks like they st- they put a they put an open they put a quotation mark before you, but they never close the quote. They don't close it. It's very avant garde. Yeah, that's really why they're closing it. <laughs> they realized the only uh, staying open was not uh, avant garde enough. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, this is well, great. I'll miss it. I hope I get to eat. I, I won't. I guess I won't. I assume it'll close. And yeah. there's there's no. Way I'm going to be. I'm not going to be in Los Angeles before June 30th, and so I think that I shall never eat at Pepe's again. I shall never suffer the sweet uh, uh, pains of Spanish madness again in that form. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is this is where we've talked about nothing but death. I think of Robert Walzer, who died <clears throat> uh, falling into the snow, 
But when his when his sister, I think it was his sister, came to visit him in his Austrian or Swiss uh, uh, sanitarium where he had uh, been committed for the last twenty years of his life or so. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't his. Uh, whoever asked him, you know, uh, uh, you know, are you still writing? And he said, "No, I prefer to be mad." <laughs> but I believe mad. it was Pepe's Spanish madness that he was referring to. I bet he was. It's funny you would say that because Swiss madness. Walzer's death in the snow. Um, I didn't know that that's how he died until yesterday when Elisa Gabbert tweeted that fact. She was on a clearly on a Wikipedia tear and found this poignant sentence. In fact, I should. Since I have an internet here, I should I should look it up. Um, but uh, there's a photo of it, I think. Oh, really? Of his death? Yeah, which is a man face down in the snow. In oh my overcoat. God! Really? Yeah. Jesus. Uh, yeah. So. Oh, it says here Robert Walzer loved long, lonely walks. On the 25th of December, 1956, he was found dead of a heart attack in a field of snow near the asylum. The photographs of the dead walker in the snow are almost eerily reminiscent of a similar image of a dead man in the snow in Walzer's first novel, Geschwister Tanner. It's odd that the there aren't many people whose death, the image of whose death, is a part of their mystique. True, if you will. I'm trying to think of others. I'm thinking of mostly Mussolini, okay. Ceausescu, uh, you know, fascist dictators. Yeah, but these are these are these are guys whose death was craved by by millions. You know, so it was going. Right. It was always going to be a, you know, it was always going to be a a thing. There's a difference in the social reception on Earth between Robert Walzer and Muammar Gaddafi. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, when you, yeah, right there. Here's the here's the photo. Jesus. Well, that's very sad. Oh, I think it's a hero's death. Yeah. I mean, he 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 died out on a walk, exactly as 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 he would would want to have gone out, probably. Yeah, that's I. I think you're probably right. Look at that. Um, yeah. Well, for those who don't know, uh, anyone interested in very short fiction should read uh, read them some Walzer or long fiction. Yeah, uh, Jacob von Gunten. I've only I've only read his uh, it's, little things. This excellent uh, novel about a butler at Butler School. Butlering. Really. The total total institution. Yeah. It's yeah, good. Jacob von von Gunten. It's very good. I think you're better read in fiction than I am. No, I can't read. I'm just guessing. You want to hear a, about a book that I read uh, this week? Yeah. Uh, it's by William Kotzwinkle. Uh, of late fame uh, because of his children's book, Walter the Farting Dog, and its sequels. Um, but I'm this familiar is a, with 1974 novel called The Fan Man, and it's uh, about uh, the New York City of the 70s, and the, the protagonist is a, I'm tempted to say a hippie, because that's clearly the sort of cultural 
category of the moment that he was riffing on and that it would have been recognizable as that character um, to anyone of the era. Uh, but now just as really just as is a men- appears like a, to be a, a mentally ill hoarder type of person. Um, but it's in the, f- it's in the, um, how can I describe it? It's an internal monologue by this guy. Um, as he goes about his business, he spends three chapters just trying to get out of his apartment in the, in the beginning. Uh, it's a little bit racist. There's some awkward, very awkward riffing, uh, about Puerto Ricans in it. And a, a bit where the, where the, where the character, his name, by the way, the character's name is Horse Bedortes. <laughs> or Horse Bedortes is imagining Horst? Horst? No. Like the German horse or horse no. like, like, what? The latter, the latter. Uh, horse. Majestic. Horse um, let me read, let me just read you a bit. Uh, uh, How'd you come project? across this? Uh, so, uh, uh, I was in, um, I was in, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. I was in uh, Hamilton, New York the other day. Uh, visiting our friend Virginia and our friend Kim. Um, right. Tra- they're traveling together. And, um, and of course, I'll be in Hamilton in a few weeks at the, at the Colgate Writers Conference. Uh, and uh, our friend Greg Ames came by the coffee shop where we were hanging out because he had a book to lend to Virginia. They had been corresponding or something, and he told her about this book. And... Uh, so he dropped it off, and we talked about it a little bit. And I quickly got myself a copy and and read it this week. And this is the um, I'm going to read you the first couple of paragraphs of it. Uh, and this is chapter one, Horse Bedorty's number one pad. I'm all alone in my pad, man. My piled up to the ceiling with junk pad, piled with sheet music, with piles of garbage bags bursting with rubbish, and encrusted frying pans piled on the floor, embedded with unnameable flecks of putrefied wretchedness in grease. My pad, man. My own little Lower East Side Horse Bedorty's pad. <laughs> I just woke up, man. Horse Bedorty's just woke up and is crawling around in the sea of abominated filthiness, man, which he calls home. Walking through the rooms of my pad, man, through the broken glass and piles of filthy clothes from which I shall select my wardrobe for the day. Here, stuffed in a trash basket, is a pair of incredibly wrinkled up muck pants. And here, man, beneath a pile of wet newspapers, is a shirt, man, with one sleeve. All I need now, man, is a tie, and here's a perfectly good rubber Japanese toy snake, man, which I can easily form into an acceptable knot, looking like a gnarled ball of spaghetti. Spaghetti, man, now I remember. That is why I've arisen from my cesspool bed, man, because of the growlings of my stomach. It is time for breakfast, man, but first I must make a telephone call to Alaska. And this yeah. is a running, a running theme that he's constantly... He can't complete anything because he's constantly distracted by some stray thought that he has to pursue mm-hmm. immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, he's oddly persuasive with other people. It compels them to do peculiar things and culminating in a sort of his life. He conceives of his life as an artwork, as an avant-garde artwork. And he's mm-hmm. also the pl- the plot, if you could even call it a plot, is that he's gathering a bunch of runaway 15-year-old girls who he's also trying to get into bed with to sing a so-called love chorus in a church. <laughs> and he, he's found some old music, and he's having everyone sing it together. 
accompanied by the humming of these little Japanese fans. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Uh, and if it. you can, if you can get past the kind of casual bigotry, uh, which, which I could, uh, but I'm a, I'm an old white dude. So that's, that's my privilege, but, mm. uh, it's, it's really not like anything else. Mm. I must say. Uh, 74 or so. Yeah. 1974. You can see the, uh, you can see, uh, early sort of, uh, what would later coalesce into Walter the farting dog mm -hmm. here in this early work of Cotswinkle. Some wafts of the future. Yeah. I should also say the current cover, uh, of the paperback is utterly appallingly bad. It's mm -hmm. just a terrible, terrible cover and does not represent the book in any true way. The original cover, which uh, is a series of, uh, I can't even, yeah. If you get the Kindle edition, it gives you the original cover, which has these crazy uh, 60s, you know, uh, Robert Crumb-influenced drawings of mm -hmm. the Lower East Side. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, they're, they're, they're really priceless. I'll, I'll, I'll check it out. Interesting period of time lost to us. Think also of uh, Desperate Characters. It's about that time. So oh, it's a very God, different yeah. Tone. But that's 72 yeah. or 3 or 4, New yeah. York. And uh, 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 Diane, um, oh my God, I'm forgetting her name, Diane Johnson. Her, uh, what's that? Lang, Lang Lo is from that era, mm. too, although I believe that was L.A. Mm -hmm. um, or uh, Nog, Ru Rudolph Wurlitzer's. Strange novel Nog, Rudy Willitzer. I don't know that. N O G, Nog, very weird, early 70s. Winter in the Blood kind of fits in that category, even though it's out on the, that, that tone of novel, I think. Yeah. I also thought of The Dog of the South. Um, mm -hmm. and, and of course, uh, what you call it? The Confederacy of Dunces is the most obvious yeah. thing to yeah. compare it to. But, that's, um, a good, that's a good kind of novel. Who's the other guy? Thomas Bird. Always got There's two Bergers, just John Bergerel, John Bergerel, and then Thomas Berger. Yeah, another uh, novelist of that time, kind of in that vein. Neighbors, others, Elkin, kind of Elkin, sure, yeah, sure. <clears throat> the, the true connoisseur um, would en of anything would enjoy uh, anthologies from this period. Yeah. From about 1969 to 76 or so. Say 69, so the, um, the, sort of the, the turning of the stomach of the countercultural period to the bicentennial. 69 to 76. Okay. Very dyspeptic time, I think, in, in, in America from my research. Yeah. And uh, if, you, if you look at a literary anthology from this time um, and look at the... Authors' bios, yeah, especially if they were allowed to write them themselves, are <laughs> hilarious because uh, they're all kind of like that. Um, oh, this is all bullshit, man. I was born in Binghamton in uh, 1951, and now I don't care about nothing. <laughs> yeah, I, I I still think there's a. Um... There's a still a strong vein of that in author bios. We should talk in general about author bios, actually, because um, sometimes I just find them incredibly obnoxious. 
Authors should not be allowed to write their own biograph biographies. Someone yeah. that knows them should write them and just should sketch out the bare facts. But anything, yeah. there's so much room for uh, posturing and apologizing and aggrandizing mostly, um, and, and outright lies. Um, you know, as Michael Martone is lovely, has has explored in his lovely book of author bios. Um, wait, wait, wait! Really? Yeah, Martone wrote a book uh, that's all author bios that he published as his bio notes. Um, Wait a minute, is it imaginary ones? Uh, no. Well, the the facts are imaginary, but it's all Michael Martone. Oh, uh, my God. And they turn into narratives, and there's a continued narrative. What's the so name he of published, the book? He published a story or a bit, you know, in Mid-American Review or something like that, and then he would have a page or two long author's note. <laughs> yeah, and that's the real story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, what? You find it? Is this is it Michael Martone by Michael Martone? I think so. Yeah, com- a, 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 its own appendix comprising fifty contributors' notes. Oh man, I thought I I was the one to think of that. Oh, fantastic! He's beaten me again, and it's <laughs> and it's, 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 it's it's a tough competitor. <laughs> he really is. But it's called Michael Martone Fictions by Professor Michael Martone. That's the author is listed as Professor Michael Martone. That is great. Yeah, I actually called up my own about page on my website because this is the biography of myself that I want to be on things. J. Robert Lennon is the author of two story collections and seven novels, including Mailman, Familiar, and Happy Land. He teaches writing at Cornell University. That's that's all you need, right? In a bio, that's all you need to know about somebody. So I so I started when people ask me for a bio, I would just give them this, and uh, repeatedly, people say I need something longer. Yeah. And yeah. I, I don't. I could. What, be, why I, do they know, need? Yeah. What are the needs? I, what do they need? I don't know. It's. I think yeah. it's maybe the a filling space on a web page or. Um, I just don't, but I don't, I think they feel they need to, often if, it's, uh, if I'm going to be giving a talk or something, you know, they yeah. want right. people to have more information, but I, yeah. so I get, I have one, I have a longer one that's also on my website, but I don't like when people use it. I don't, yeah. it's not necessary. It feels boasty when I list my supposed accomplishments. Which are considerable, John. Oh well, thank you. But I think that, that the, 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 your, your achievements are so considerable that they should feel a little boasty. Okay, okay. What I mean by that is not but, that. But, but boasting is never attractive. No, even and it's, even when earned, especially when earned, it diminishes the actual achievements. Right. To hear the achiever announce them. To or to even for the achiever to even think about them, you know, in order to in order to get a raise each year at my job, we all have to submit an updated. CV, mm. which is every single thing you did this year that, uh, and this is all public too. So it's posted, you know, my complete CV is posted on the Cornell website. But there comes a time every February where I have to remember everything that I did during the year that justifies my professional existence. And then I have to submit it to a higher authority. Yeah. For approval. For approval. Well, in there's no approval or non approval. In words, it's just, you know, you, you know, I, I assume it's related. People to have their room. opinions, though. You know. Yeah, of course they do. Yeah. And here oh, I am. Oh, what has like, John done this year? Oh, then, look, he did this. 
I look at what other people say, and they good of him to include this. They'll include. Glad he mentioned this. People will include entire categories of thing that I would never dream of writing on a piece of paper that I did or said. Right. It's gross. It's gross. See, I as as an unemployed writer, I need do nothing. (laughs) I can achieve all I want to throughout the year, and I'm not answerable to it. (laughs) <laughs> I'm answerable neither to my failure nor my success. <laughs> it's an it's an enviable position. You know, along along the lines of that Michael Martone book, do you know um, Percival Everett's uh, uh, book, The History of the African American People by Strom Thurmond? <laughs> no. It's, the, t- the title is A History of the, the full title is A History of the African American People Proposed, in parentheses, by Strom Thurmond, as told to Percival Everett and James Kincaid, oh a novel. Oh, my God. This is great. This is, is great. It's it funny. is hilarious. It's one of my favorite contemporary books of fiction. It's satirical Ed, in that vein. Ed, and I it's am... All, a... It's all letters. It's all epistolary. It's all letters between um, someone purporting to be Thurman's chief of staff um, and Everett and uh, a a lit professor at at USC, uh, James Kincaid. Um, And I don't think we ever hear from Strom Thurmond, and it becomes decreasingly clear whether um, any of the three people are entirely who they seem to be. (laughs) Of course. Uh You're you're yeah. you're turning me on to a lot of good stuff today, Ed. This is a good book. This is maybe eight or nine years old. It appeared as uh, um, episodically in I think Transition was the magazine. Uh, this great great little strange magazine. Uh, I think is gone now, but. Mm-hmm. Uh. You read much of Everett? Percival Everett? No, I never have. Strange books. Yeah? Yeah. Very, you know, playing with authorship. Um, usually some, a little bit of a sci-fi aspect to them. Uh, oh, he wrote I'm Not Sidney Pot- Poitier. Yeah, right, another good one. Uh, he also has one called Percival Everett by Virgil Russell, a novel by Percival Everett. And uh, Erasure. Yeah. Oh, look at this. Erasure. Uh, Erasure is... There's a... The Kindle edition is three bucks. Could pump pump a little money into the, the evil empire. Yeah. Well, they've been especially evil lately. Their their deal with Hachette is just... I, I don't like to get meta about the book biz, but it's really it's really gross. It's, it's it's like... A, it's infantile. That's friends. Friends of mine's books are being affected. Yeah, friends. Friends' livings are being impacted by well, by this. You know, and I think Apple. It's it's a very Apple-y kind of thing to do. Like uh, when you know this deal where Apple is supposed to be buying Beats by Dre, the high end headphones company. Right. And so this was a rumor, and it it came out that this was going to happen, and this video surfaced of Dr. Dre drunk saying how he was going to be the first billionaire rapper. And 
he because the deal is for like three billion dollars and he and jimmy Iovine are presumably gonna you know gonna make a lot of money and then they're gonna work for apple so uh so this video came out and everyone was expecting the um the deal to be officially announced and it hasn't been and the the, the hubbub in the tech world is that they might actually have just blown it by leaking it you know you're dead to me it's that it's that kind of thing it's that kind of like like and i think you know i love a lot of things these companies do they're extraordinarily innovative and have changed the way we do a bunch of things but the arrogance is just just absurd and here's this amazon punishing a publisher like this it's just ridiculous well, it's criminal it's criminal it it's is criminal. it's 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 demonstrably criminal someone will go to jail but it'll probably be the authors <laughs> yeah it's most likely most likely just yeah and so we'll get the most out of it though by being in jail because the law we'll the law is that. not about justice it's about conflict resolution yeah and and historically the problem is usually is the writers and send them to jail Siberia. I'm reading. Did you ever read Ian Fraser's Travels in Siberia? Yes. It's a good book. I'm about halfway through it right now. Yeah, I, I, I like everything he does pretty much. Me too. Yeah. But that's This is the vein I like most. Like Great Plains and uh, the Siberia book. Great Plains uh, is great. I like I like him when he's being just funny and satirical. But, but there's a um, yeah, he has, he has a, a seriousness which I like uh, he's such a fine writer. Yeah, his yeah. seriousness. Such a uh, very fine writer. He he had this uh, he had this great uh, it's a, a funny funny thing that he wrote called uh, one of my favorite all time favorite Fraser things one uh, comedy things is the oh, shit I'm trying to read it on the New Yorker I have of course I have I own the book but it's in the other room and the New Yorker wants me to sign in but it's called Just a Country Boy. Have you ever ever read this? I've always wanted to. Um, I don't think so. Uh, hold on, let me see if I can find it uh, on Google Books or something. It's um, look in books. There, dating your mom page. Mm -hmm. Oh come on, that's a good bit. I get a four hundred four error from uh, the New Yorker. Yeah. Uh, no, from Google. But anyway, I can't, I can't find it right now. But the key line is, it, it, it's basically the idea of the cliche of, I'm just a country boy, and I love certain country things, and I only listen to earthy country music. It's just a monologue. But mm. at one point, um, there's a paragraph break, and he says, excuse me, that's my phone. Paragraph break. Sorry, that was the lonesome highway calling me. <laughs> Very good. Very good. And, and one one aspect of his writing brings him a little too dangerously close to uh, the charm of a Dave Barry. Yes, and his current sort of dr uh, drunken mommy thing it mm -hmm. is is one of his, in in my view, less successful. Yeah. I I sort of like those, but I wish it was a different writer writing them. Dave Barry, for instance. Perhaps Mr. David Barry. 
could be assigned to that beat more profitably. You know, uh, yeah. it appears that his uh, daughter is now doing shouts and murmurs for the New Yorker, extending the dynastic reach of comedy writing in the New Yorker. How do you feel about name? that? I don't know. Is it is it just coincidence or is it? Uh, do you know this? What's the what's I don't her name? Know. Her name is Fraser. I can't remember her first name. Clara. Shelley. <laughs> just Fraser. He uh, stole. I told you how he stole my whiskey. <laughs> no, no, do tell. And he was in Montana when we were when we were young. Yeah, we were when we were we were young once and in Montana, and and uh, I was on the back porch after it was a re, it was the you know if you were in town it was the um, Dennis Johnson had come over to read. And read, and then there was a uh, reception afterwards, maybe at uh, Kate Gadbo's or Jocelyn's or someone's. I'm likely to have been at it. Yeah, it was on the. Uh, um, uh, it's memorable for, for 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 two things. One, I remember um, Dirty Steve. There were two Steves in the program. <laughs> Dirty Steve, uh, well, who was who was my friend, and then the other Steve who was not. Uh, uh, it was we, the other Steve. The other Steve. The other Steve was called Pac Man. Pac Man. <laughs> Pac-Man had had cornered Dennis Johnson and was and was trying to get his secrets. That's what that's what Pac-Man did. <laughs> he wanted to eat the the little dots of your yeah, <laughs> of your yeah. mojo. He was trying to eat Dennis Johnson's dot, and uh, uh, and, and Pac-Man was complaining how difficult writing was. And Dennis Johnson just kind of shook his head and said, "Just lower your standards, man." <laughs> <laughs> just brilliant. Yeah, just lower your standards. You'd be all right. <laughs> and uh, but then on the, on the back porch, I remember uh, being standing out there, and it was uh, uh, Mr. Kittredge was there, and he had brought along Sandy Fraser, and some of us were sitting around. And I had a little hip uh, hip flask of well, not a flask, but a bottle of of whiskey of some kind, such yeah. as fits in one's back in the back pocket of one's jeans. And uh, was passing it around in the spirit of sharing, and it got to Fraser, and he took a sip, and he put it in his own pocket, and that was the end of it. <laughs> Ooh, nothing quite like stealing a grad student's booze. I did. This, I I showed up at a bar once where a bunch of graduate students were. Uh, this was a few years ago, and this a guy like very much um, immediately got up to, let me buy you a drink. I was like, oh no, 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 that's no no need for that. I'll I'll buy my own drink. He's like, no, I'll buy you a drink. And I said, All right, great. He said, Whatever you want. What do you want? And I said, a double of makers on the rocks. And he went, A double? Oh. Oh. And then he went and spent like a whole eight dollars, you know. I can't believe you asked for a double. You insisted. That's what I wanted. Uh, your gesture. The, yeah. Your gesture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, that's I love. That's what I love about Dennis Johnson is that he, when when people, <laughs> you know, I've seen, I've been with him enough times where people are asking him for writing advice, and he just <laughs> he just doesn't know how to do that thing where you you know the where you drop the pearls of wisdom. Mm -hmm. uh it's awesome it's awesome lower your standards man yeah 
Well, do you want to wrap this thing up? Sure. Uh, are, we, are we missing anything? How are you doing? Everything good? Oh yeah, everything's doing. Yeah. Everything's doing good. well. Eating, yeah. cleaning, doing those. Everybody fed. How are the chickens? They're all right. They're all right. You know, uh, one of them, uh, Eleanor, our oldest one, is about to be seven. Wow. Seven-year-old chicken. Have you ever she, hypnotized her? I, she, I think she's been hypnotizing us. <laughs> she's been hypnotized, yeah. No, I've never hypnotized a chicken. Is that a thing? Yes, it's a thing. As mentioned by Iggy Pop in Lust for Life. It's one of the lyrics. It's a thing. Hypnotizing chickens. It's a bit. Um, you had graduation. Yeah. You're done. So you're done. Are you in summer now? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk about it off show. I know. I just just wanted just wanted to get it on the record that it is now summer in your life, and 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 wishing that our our two or three listeners a nice summer as well. All right. All right. That's fair. Yeah. I was just <laughs> searching for an ending. Searching for an ending, man. Talk to you soon, Ed. Are you hungry for lunch?